Welcome to a special roundtable episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. I am joined, as always, on these roundtables by the delightful and always healthy Ashley Steves. Ashley, how are you? <laughs> doing really good. Great. Really good. Great, great. Also doing really well. Uh, we are joined on the other line by Grace Aki. Grace, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, great. That was the most genuine thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, I'm an actor, Matt. I'm non-union and I'm an actor. Actor, I'm acting. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, So we're here today to talk about something that we all love, and that is the fact that we got to see live theater again in 2021. Yay! We are going to be discussing each of our three favorite things that we saw in an IRL theater in this calendar year. Of course, that is not including our favorite things that we saw on uh, like theater productions on screen, because of course I I think I speak very, uh, I think I can speak for Ashley on this. If we were including streaming things Mm -hmm. uh, to free a mockingbird would have been our favorite, our favorite thing that we saw. Um, (laughs) So we aren't doing that. It was just things that we saw in person, whether that is, on Broadway, off Broadway, down here in Orlando, in Chicago, where Grace has spent some time. Um, Ashley, have you seen anything outside of New York? Uh, no, okay. actually. All right. Saving well, that for 2022. Awesome. Well, we will run through all of that. And Ashley, even though all of your stuff was in New York, why don't you start us off? What is, um, I don't know if you have them like in three, two, one order or just a group. So why don't you hit us no. with your first one? I don't really have a three, two, one order. Um, so first of all, I honestly missed a lot of shows this year that I wanted to see. Um, like I missed out on Sanctuary City. I missed out on Twilight Los Angeles 1992 and like a few others just from a variety of circumstances, mainly because of that big pandemic thing that's happening. Um, and there's a few more that are technically part of this year that I haven't gotten to yet that either I'll be seeing in the final days of 2021 when I actually have time off. We're recording this on December 12th. So there's like two, three more weeks for me to come up with a new top three, I'm sure. But I mean, you know, at the start or also at the start of 2022, like I'm going to be seeing Kimberly Akimbo soon. I know that's going to be at the top of my list, but there are definitely three shows I've seen that I loved very dearly. One, Grace and I have talked about very extensively on today on Broadway and bonus episodes, and that would be the Broadway transfer of Dana H coming from the Vineyard Theater. I saw, as I said on the show, uh, saw it off Broadway at Vineyard. Loved it there. It was the last, very, very last show I saw pre-shutdown um, and had a million things going through my brain when I saw it then. And it just kind of stuck with me. And then when it transferred to the to Broadway, I didn't expect the transfer to go as well as it did. And it just complete, completely blew me away in ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, and Deidre O'Connell is just so captivating and mesmerizing in every sense of both words. She's an absolute star. I think mm-hmm. the Broadway transfer works better than the off-Broadway one did, wow. which is saying a lot. And it, as much as I loved Is This a Room, I don't feel the same way about that as I did about Dana H, which is honestly odd to me because I preferred Is This a Room off-Broadway 
over Dana H and then preferred Dana H on Broadway over Is This a Room. Um, this is just a show that I wish got to run as long as that it was as it was supposed to, because it was supposed to run into January and then they cut it short and then they extended it for a couple more weeks. And now it's unfortunately no longer running on Broadway, but I know when we're going to get to Tony's stuff, this is going to be a really big performer there. Um, and hoping Deidre gets at least, you know, you know, expect that she'll get the nomination, hopefully highly in contention for that lead actor. I'm very interested to see what will happen when eventually another actress does this show, because clearly this is going to get done elsewhere with other actresses uh, yeah. playing Dana. Um, I wonder and if I it's going to... And I don't think her understudy ever went on mm-hmm. during the Broadway yeah. run either. Not that I'm not that I'm aware of, but I, I just wonder if it'll have that same magic. Like, is this just something that is so tied to Deirdre that she knows it so well that nobody else can kind of live up to that? Or is this something that different women can come in and give something more than just lip syncing because Deirdre clearly did. So I will be very interested to see when this eventually starts playing regionally or if they do something else with this production, maybe it would take it to Los Angeles or do like some sort of mini tour. Um, I'll be interested to see how this one plays with somebody other than Deirdre O'Connell in the, in the main role. I think that's a really good point. And I've actually thought about this a lot. And I thought about it in terms of like when Grace and I were talking about the show and our longer conversation, I've also been thinking about that in terms of what the constitution means to me, mm-hmm. which a show I love Literally very dearly. was about to be yeah. like, that and is that, exactly the point. <laughs> that's the conversation that we had around that of like, could Heidi, anyone other than Heidi Shrek do that role? And of course they could because it's one of those shows that holds up to it. And it's one of those shows that holds up to it because it's so obviously specific to the individual, but so, you know, international of an experience for so many women. So in this case, yes, it's very attached to Deidre O'Connell, but I feel like a lot of individual women are going to be able to bring into something different into each role, regardless of the fact that it's lip syncing the role. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see the future of where this show goes. Uh, Grace, what is the first show you want to mention uh, from your 2021 theater going experiences? Okay, so what's funny and famously on the show, Ashley and I are two sides of a coin because I was like, I'm going to talk about is this a room? So (laughs) (laughs) that was that was my first choice is because I I had no understanding or preconceived notion about like what the show was about. I had I only heard rave reviews um, from when it was a vineyard and then I could not afford to go when it was there. I got several mailers and it was one of the most captivating marketing campaigns where I went do I want to see this show that I don't know anything about from this branding because everyone's talking about it. And um, I'm just so glad that I was able to go because even sitting in front of funny enough, James and our friend Robbie, uh, I was stunned at the performances and like the way Tina Satter constructed the show and Emily Davies, like everyone on stage was just entirely uh, present. And it made me feel so good about seeing a play. Um, But I just, and I think I said this before, but I know that this is a big point for me. So I hate to, you know, keep hammering on about it, but I just don't often get to see accurate Georgia accents portrayed. And it was, it just felt 
like like somebody handed me a bucket of boiled peanuts when I went to see that show. I was like, this disgusting. Is, yeah. Well, first of all, the Lord's juice, and second of all, delicious. Um, being a former Miss North Georgia Fair Queen, I have to say to you, Matt, you've never had good boiled peanuts, I guess, because they are nectar so the point is is that this show was so important for me and it made me sign on when when a show when you see a show and every single performance and every bit of writing and every bit of direction and every bit of lighting and sound cues make you go everyone that's in this playbill i will follow them to the ends of the earth whatever their next project is i want to be there for it that to me is success and so i just i'm still i'm still thinking about it and whenever we're still thinking about something you know that it had an impact on mm -hmm. you and um i i ran and told everyone that they had to see it so thanks for retweeting me vineyard <laughs> the end <laughs> yeah absolutely those are two great ones to start the conversation with um however I am going to go in a very different route with my choices. Uh, like Ashley, I don't have a three, two, one by any means, but um, I've talked about so many of the shows I've, I've seen because uh, so many, much of the theater that I saw happened in my two weeks in New York. And I've talked yeah. about those shows, Company, Assassins, Trouble in Mind, Clyde's, uh, a lot of those things. So I'm going to talk about things that I haven't yet talked about on the show. Some of them are here Ooh. in Florida, and one of them is in New York. We will get to that one. But I'm going to start with a production of Man of La Mancha that I saw at the Garden Theater in Winter Garden, Florida. And this is a show that I love. It's a show that I've seen multiple times. I saw it first on tour when I was like in eighth grade with Robert Goulet playing uh, Don Quixote and Miguel Cervantes. <laughs> um, shout out to Will Ferrell's uh, performances, uh, Robert Goulet on Saturday Night Live. There you go. Um, I also saw the Stokes, um, Ernie Sabella, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio um, revival on Broadway, where to this day, Stokes has still gotten the longest mid-show standing ovation that I've ever seen. Uh, so I love this show. I went into this one a little... Um, a little uh, unsure of what I was going to see because in all of their marketing, they were very clear that they were changing. If you're, if you're familiar with Man of La Mancha, like there's the story of Don Quixote, but it's set inside a framing story of the real life author of uh, Don Quixote, Miguel Cervantes, being thrown into jail to await the Spanish Inquisition. Instead of that frame story being done as the Spanish Inquisition, it is set in an immigrant holding facility on the southern border of the United States. Now, they didn't change any dialogue or anything, um, but obviously the, 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 the fencing and like those horrible, like silver blankety type things, foil blankety type things that they give out, like it was very clear what was going on and the guards were all wearing like, uh, ice uniforms and stuff. So I was a very unsure if that was going to work because I was like, that's a little bit on the nose, but much to my surprise, it actually held up really, really well. They didn't steer into it too much. It was just like, here's the setting. Everything else is the same. They talked about the Inquisition, just like the normal dialogue is. Um, and it really worked because as the show goes on in, you know, normal productions of Man of La Mancha, it's still Cervantes using the other inmates, using whatever happens to be available in the, in the cell to tell this story. And they just did the same thing. And it was very creatively done. Um, I, I really appreciate it. There were some casting choices that I would have changed, but for the most part, um, everybody in the show was really good. But what really made me appreciate this show was one, it's a show that I love, but two, it just kind of reminded me that, and this was one of, if not the first show that I saw post, you know, pandemic, um, um, 
it, it reminded me that good ideas for shows don't just happen in New York, even if these are like classic revivals of shows um, that you can see really interesting and smart uh, executions of known material in places that aren't classic stage company or roundabout theater company or something like that. So um, I really enjoyed it, even though there were some nitpicks I had about it. I really, really appreciated the concept and how thoroughly thought through it was. Lovely. See, this is why I miss regional theater as much as I do and why I'm sad that I didn't get to go see any shows outside of New York this year. That's why I'm like, it's it's really one of uh, the bigger things for me in 2022 is obviously travel wasn't so much of an option this year, but like that's something that now theoretically we're kind of able to do again a little bit more i'm like all right let's go see some regional shows again yeah absolutely all right so ashley why don't you give us your next one okay so uh second is a completely opposite show from the first pick that was a show that matt and i technically saw together we were in the theater together we We were were in we were in the theater together we were supposed to sit next to each other but that didn't happen because you were um I went to the wrong theater. rattlestick theater i went to the wrong theater yeah. <laughs> so this was a commercial jingle for gina comet um like i said i've talked about it a few times and how much i loved it how much it was just so up my alley in that very like borscht belt style comedy very john mulaney nick kroll uh title of show whole area i know we're getting a cast recording which i'm really excited about though it is also one of those shows where i feel like i might need the music inside the show rather than just like a cast recording as much as i love the show very much in the same way that soft power was for me unfortunately i love the cast recording for soft power but i'm like i want to be watching the show more than i want to just be listening to it but overall like that was the most fun that i'd had in the theater in a really long time, even pre pandemic. Um, wow. yeah, I just, uh, I, and you know, I, I thought Brianna Murray Parham, which you t- interviewed on the show, mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago, uh, was just, a joy machine to me. I thought the entire show was a joy machine. I laughed so hard the whole time. It's really difficult. First of all, uh, comedy is very difficult. Comedy on stage is very difficult. And it is very hard to sell me on a comedic musical because I... I, I have a very high secondhand embarrassment factor, which Matt knows very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it is even remotely cringy to me, I'm like gonna tap out. This is one of the rare cases in a while or while where it was like, I wish I could see this again tomorrow. And that doesn't happen very often for me. And also it was like 80 minutes long. So that honestly makes it even better to me because the older I get, I'm just like, I don't want to sit through a three hour musical except for very rare occurrences. I like when they're short and sweet and funny. And that's what this was to me. 
Awesome. Uh, I wish I could have sat next to you to uh, see your reactions uh, in real time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry That's you were right. in the back of the theater. Oops. My fault. Uh, all right, Grace, what is your second one? Okay, so first of all, I'm super bummed that I did not get to see that show at all. Like, I know. super upset. I know. <laughs> but that's okay, because they're getting a cast recording. Good for them. And um, I can't wait to listen to it touch about them. So uh, my second pick, and the only reason I'm mentioning is because you guys so graciously mentioned at the top of the show that I got to do my show this past year, which was super fun for one day. But because I was part of that festival, that meant that I got to see other people's shows. And this was the first time I was in theater. It was August. And it was the first time I was like in a theater seeing people like contemporaries, like do a play that they wrote which I was like, oh my God, I haven't done this in three years, right? Uh, because, you know, when you're writing, you're workshopping, blah, blah, blah. So um, I just want to shout out this uh, this solo show that I got to experience by Ross Sullivan Lovett called And God Forbid It Should Be So. And it was a gender play for fairy tale girls and the foxes that eat them. It was mm-hmm. the trippiest little 17th century fairy tale of Bluebeard's wife. Also like talking about gendered narratives, um, there was like, they dressed up as like a, a bloodthirsty bridegroom in the end and dug their own grave. It was nuts. But also I was just so <laughs> excited to see this new work by someone that I had only met on Zoom and then got to see their work after like several months of us, like having little workshops together and not really knowing what the play was about, but like learning how to be playwrights together and watching this person perform their heart out with this piece that they had written that nobody else had seen um, was just really exciting to me. And also to be a part of that organization was really, really fun. But I just, I was weeping the whole time, not because half the time, you know, they were giving a really raw, you know, emotional, you know, eliciting that kind of reaction, but also because I was like, so thankful to see a person write a thing. And I know that seems so silly, but I think that we have spent the past year like reminiscing on our favorites and our classics and the people that we have, you know, held as heroes for years and years and years and years. And I'm like, I forget that there's a new person every day that's going to write the next thing that we talk about for years and years and years and years. So my point is, is that um, that was just such a fun experience for me. And um, if you have a chance to see and God forbid, it should be so somewhere playing sometime soon, because I'm sure it will be. Um, please, please check it out. That's awesome. Very sweet and and, and lovely. Um, <laughs> my next one is also down here in Central Florida. I have been waiting for years to see a production of this show. Every time that it was running um, while I was in New York, and it ran multiple times, either it like got announced after I, my stuff was filled or I couldn't get tickets because I, I was coming in after it had been announced and like they were completely sold out. But um, a few months ago, I finally got the chance to see the wolves at theater UCF, the university of central Florida. Um, and it did not disappoint. Um, UCF always does incredibly high quality productions. This was no exception. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Sarah DeLapp's play, the wolves, this is the one about, um, girls indoor soccer and kind of the, not only is it, I mean, it does have for, of the sports fan in me has actually some actual like, 
soccer sporty you know stuff going on but it is more about the relationships between these young women um and it was very much lived up to all of the expectations that i've heard about how incredible that this show is from all of its runs uh in new york so i was very glad to be able to see this i had the script and I kept thinking I'm going to read it, but I didn't want to read it before I saw it. And I'm glad that I didn't because so much of this show is overlapping dialogue. And I think I would have been completely confused with my tiny little brain um, if I had read this script beforehand. So I'm so glad that I got to see it. I'm excited to actually have some, an opportunity to go back and read it at the uh, now that I've seen the show. Um, but it really is a fantastic show, and I'm so glad that it's getting done around the country. Um, and uh, I, I really appreciate that You know, Orlando is not the best theater town, but Theater UCF and Rollins College College, the uh, Annie Russell Theater at Rollins College do really great work. And some of the best things that I've seen in Central Florida, as I've said over the years here on Broadway Radio, have been from these two colleges. So I really appreciate that they continue to do works that are kind of uh, interesting and new and not the traditional fare that some of the professional theaters in town do. So uh, my second uh, one is The Wolves from Theater UCF. Shout out to The Wolves. Yeah. I still have never seen a production. Oh, So you'll love it. You'll love it. All right. So, Ashley, I feel like I don't need to ask, but I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> what yeah, is let's, your... Let's just hey. go ahead and say it all on the count of three. Should we say it on the count of three? <laughs> Can we sing it? I can't because my throat will absolutely well, cave in on me. Door, <laughs> door, door rings, door rings. Rings, <laughs> phone rings, in comes company. There you go. Y'all nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I hate to leave it at a choice where I have to be like, stay tuned for me to dissect this and give you all my reasonings. But hey, guess what? Jesse Green is company uh i have so much to talk about with the survival and i obviously spent so much time during the shutdown pouring over the different versions of the librettos including the london copy um from this new version and just analyzing and comparing and tearing it apart like you should see all my notes they're disgusting there have been a lot of criticisms of the revival many are incredibly justified i have thought about them a lot over the last many, many months. Um, it is still the best experience I have ever had in the theater. Wow. Like, bar none. Uh, that I, I saw both first previews. Um, and that last first preview will, I will hold very dear to me <laughs> for a very long of time course. for obvious reasons. Um, I, 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 I know both of you saw it. I adored it. I have had separate conversations with you about a lot of the changes, a lot of the choices. Um, my criticisms, mainly Katrina Lank, who, as I said on the show with Grace the other day, is extremely miscast, but mostly every other option in that show, every other choice in that show, just filled me with so much joy in ways that revivals tend to not have the ability to do for me because I'm such a new work champion that I will choose a new show over a revival a hundred percent of the time. So when a revival is announced, I'm automatically like, why? Why are we doing this? Even if it's a Sondheim thing. I mean, of course, I want to always see a Sondheim show, but I also want to see new work. 
A company revival, on the other hand, is something that I was waiting for for a minute. This was the company revival that I was waiting for. I was waiting for a gender swapped version, which there's been a lot of conversation as far as like the terms gender swapped, uh, also, which I agree with. And I think it's very mm-hmm. important to note the difference between using the term gender flipped versus gender swapped, where swapping out choices means that there could be many options, where flipping usually means that there are only two options to choose from, but that's getting really pedantic. Um, so still a gender swapped revival to me, but there are a lot of other terms we can call it. I think that this is kind of the version minus some choices that company was always supposed to be. I feel like it's at its best form. And I feel like that this version played by, you know, a woman, a non-binary character is the version that should be developed to become better for years to come. Well, you just heard our special episode on company that uh, was supposed to be happening uh, later this year. So Imagine if that's all I had to say about company. I know. That's very true. You've got plenty more. (laughs) Please. Uh, There will be more. So stay tuned to your podcast feed later this year. Uh, And in the coming weeks, you will hear a complete roundtable just about company where I feel like Grace and I are just going to shut up and let Ashley talk for 30, 40 minutes. I'll rest my voice. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Grace, what is your last selection? Okay, so once again, Ashley, we are on the Sondheim train because I I didn't realize this until after Matt and I, Matt, uh, so excitingly and graciously had us uh, dead front (laughs) for this show next to the stage of Assassins at Classic Stage Company. Um, I went after we left the theater, we we talked a little bit at Five Napkin Burger and and as you do. And after when I went home, crutch and all, I was thinking about how few times I've actually physically seen a professional Sondheim show in the face, like not on a PBS, not on a concert, not on some VHS that I stole from my high school drama director, neither here nor there. <laughs> um, thank you. Sunday in the park with George. It's in my closet. Um, but I just, I just was shocked at how, like, you know, much we we love and preserve this person's work, and how few times I actually see it being done well and professionally, which is such a strange thing to think about. And it was, I couldn't, I kept going back and going, like, what can I find anything wrong? Is there even a point to try to do that? I think this might have been a really perfect production of something that I didn't know could feel perfect. And all the performances like made me question the, you know, the, the content and the characters and, and the humor and Judy Kuhn's comedic performance was like yeah i just kept thinking and i know we're going to talk about this so i'm not going to go on and on but my point is that it was just such an exciting moment of realizing like let me go back to his work like i thought i knew it and then maybe maybe i can i I can you know refresh in my mind and and it was just it was just really exciting so thank you that was just such a Mm -hmm. wonderful experience and also like Ethan, I have said it forever, is a star, but holy crap, was he a star in that show? And we will talk about it later, but it's his pesos. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and to be fair, Company and Assassins were my two favorite things that I saw all year, yeah. hands true. down. So, and so That's why we're going to get in the dirt about them. Yeah, that is not going to be what I... Um, you know, I finished with because I wanted to talk about other things that I hadn't talked about well, yet. Offensive. 
Well, I mean, I've already talked about <laughs> both of them on the show. So, and we're going to talk about them more. But I am mm-hmm. going to wrap it up with the one show on my list that I did see in New York that I couldn't really talk about before because it hadn't opened yet. And even though I did pay for my ticket, I wanted to respect the embargo. And that is the Atlantic Theater Company's production of the new musical Kimberly Akimbo. This is such an absolutely weird and wonderful musical that I absolutely adored it, even though I didn't necessarily think that it was anywhere near perfect. Bonnie Milligan, uh, Ali Mazi, Stephen Boyer, and the entire cast were phenomenal. And when it transfers, inevitably, which it's going to transfer, um, this will absolutely get Bonnie Milligan the Tony nomination that she was robbed of for Head Over Heels. Like, she deserves it. She is amazing. But, my God, and by God I mean Sondheim, Victoria <laughs> Clark is absolutely giving one of the best performances I have ever seen. If you're unfamiliar with what Kimberly Akimbo is about, it is about a, I think, 16-year-old girl who has a real-life disease that makes her age, like, four times as fast as she actually is. So she looks like she's in her 60s or 70s or whatever, um, despite the fact that that she's a teenager. And Victoria Clark, who... Does she already have a Tony for um, Light in the Piazza? If she doesn't, she should. I think so. I think she does. Titanic? Titanic the musical? Does she get a Tony? I don't don't know. Either way, she is giving this performance that you're like, how does somebody so easily, or maybe not easily, but seemingly so easily slip into the body and mind and um, idiosyncrasies of a 16-year-old girl when that is decades removed from their real life experience it is such an unbelievably nuanced and authentic performance that i despite all of the great things that were happening on stage i just kind of found myself watching vicky stand there even when she wasn't the one talking or the the center of attention because everything about her was real and everything about her performance was nuanced and and what you would expect from a 16-year-old. She was mesmerizing and it was absolutely fascinating. I do not think this is one of Janine Tesori's best scores. I wouldn't even put it in her top mm-hmm. half of scores, but it was very much a Janine Tesori score. It felt much more like um, Fun Home, um, a little derivative of Fun Home than it did um, Violet um, or Millie or even Shrek. It's very different, but it's in the Fun Home vein, but it is so interesting Imagine and weird. Imagine saying to me it's not as good as her other work and- and then comparing it to fun. Well, home. Like no, I'm running I there. really, I was so close. I'm so glad you said it, Ashley. I was like, what are we throwing hands for yeah, in yeah. this moment? Like, no, no, what no, are we saying? Out, that? I know. What I said was it was derivative of fun home. If it yeah, had been fun home, that's different because fun home is brilliant. But this just feels like a fun home not as good. Um, but I Fair. will say I saw it pretty early in previews. So things very well might have changed by the time it opened. Um, but it, it, that aside, it was great. And it's a show that I will be rooting for to Broadway, um, whether that comes this spring or next season, because it is going to go to Broadway. It is going to win a lot of awards. I hope it transfers well, um, because it, you know, the Atlantic Theater Company is a fairly small venue. So I hope that it finds the right home and it doesn't 
have to contend with, you know, getting bigger because it's on Broadway, but it is a great production and a show that I was very, very happy to see um, before the word of mouth kind of like built mm-hmm. it up bigger than it than than um, it had at that point already. But Vicky, Bonnie, Allie, Steven, the whole cast is just doing great work and i'm very very excited for the future of this show amazing i had to reschedule so many shows while i had the flu and my biggest regret mm-hmm. was kimberly Kimbo, which i was supposed to see the sunday matinee of like earlier today when we were recording this i was so saddened by it well i can't wait for you both to eventually see it because it is a show that it. deserves to be seen and discussed all right, everybody, let us know what your favorite shows of 2021 were by reaching out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can, of course, always find me at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you and to tell you why Company was their favorite show of 2021? <laughs> they better. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. Grace, where can people tell you that To Free a Mockingbird was their favorite production of 2021? Please tweet me and boost my ego at It's Grace Aki. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, great shows all around. We are very much looking forward to an even better theater-going experience in 2022. Hopefully a full year of theater-going. Um, but we are very much looking forward to that. We appreciate you listening to us talk talk about what we loved for this entire year don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio and support us so that we can keep doing more of it have a wonderful rest of your holidays and uh depending on when this drops we will be back to either talk to you tomorrow or on monday <laughs>